If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts, who have been with us since the very beginning, since episode one. Uh, It's where we learn how to make podcasts and radio and video. And if you're interested in a creative degree in games, sound, film, or journalism, or maybe you'd like to pick bits and pieces that suit you and make some, you know, agile, uh, adaptive degree and give yourself a career that would work really well uh, in the future, then you should give Murdoch uh, School of Arts uh, a go. You can find out more information if you head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. You can learn what they've got on offer and everything you can check out. So that's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search for Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts, proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Good to be back. Let me tell you this. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni. I'm your host for today. And for those of you joining for the first time, I was here quite a bit in, in previous episodes, but I haven't been here for a long time. Uh, and uh, I'm joined today uh, by Fiona, who's in the studio with me. Hello. And on the line via the internet, we've got Sarah, our Hello. Melbourne correspondent. Uh, and I guess this evening is Zamfia Dimitru. Uh, he's from Monsterscope Studios. Zafia, thanks for joining us tonight. No worries. I'm happy to be here, guys. Now, we're going to be hearing all about your game, Dawnblade, a little bit later. Uh, it's a hack and slash dungeon crawler, sort of an action RPG. But before we get into that, what else are we checking out today, Fiona? So tonight we'll also be talking about the crunch period in game development and how it impacts the game development community. It's, it's all going to be uh, yes. interesting. It's been lighting up Twitter, <laughs> so we can't wait to get into it. Let's uh, jump in, shall we? You're listening to Pixel So our first topic today is we're talking about the crunch period in game development, and this discussion was recently brought back in focus because of an interview with Dan Hauser, who's the co-founder of Rockstar, um, because he made a comment about how they were working 100 hours a week during the completion of Red Dead Redemption 2. But then later in another interview, he clarified that he was talking about it in relation to 
uh, the, how the narrative and dialogue was created and that the 100 hours was only in reference to the senior writers, including him and three other people. What's really interesting about this is uh, there, there used to be a time, if you remember, you, uh, well, I remember definitely, um, back when a lot of these writers and game creators used to talk about these massive hours that they were putting in to complete these games as sort of a badge of honour. And the conversation has really shifted um, to a different perspective. And if you'd seen, uh, if you'd been on the internet in the last week or so, uh, just about everyone has kind of been uh, talking about this and saying, look, this isn't something to be proud of. This is something that um, these 100 hours or 14 hours a day is what mm. it works out to be. Uh, and that's uh, if you work like seven days a week as well. Uh, it's I think it's quite a, quite a big number or 20 hours a day if you're only doing five days a week, which people are probably not doing that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big cost. And, and, you know, there's these factors as well that we know of that, that are – uh, it's not a great thing to do. Now, you came across some good quotes of talking about sort of the negative impacts of of uh, the crunch on, on game development, didn't you? Yeah, so Fiona. one in particular that I found super interesting was actually from someone who used to be part of Team Bondi, was mm. it? Yes. Yes, so what Which happened- was the studio that worked underneath Rockstar. Yes, and they also created LA Noir mm-hmm. here in Australia. And she came in- to the company and she noticed everyone was pretty miserable and down because they would just work so hard to focus on trying to get things done. So she decided to bake a cake and she brought it in, sent out a whole bunch of emails saying, look, let's have 30 minutes to just chill and have a piece of cake. And doing that, she found that it lifted morale so much because they were able to talk to each other and communicate and help each other. But then she got told by her boss to stop doing it because... It, the higher-ups are thinking that they're slacking off and things like that, and afterwards she just couldn't do it because everyone just went back to being really negative about their work and really hard to focus and things like that. Who Who is that that said that? Uh, Jen Sandercock. Oh, previously of Team, Team Bondi. Sorry, hmm. Sarah. Going off that, actually, I was looking at some articles earlier today, and I know I found one particularly interesting that talked about like the relation to of the bosses at Rockstar versus the staff. And this is a quote from uh, a guy called Stauffer, and he uh, worked at Rockstar about a decade ago. I think it was um uh, yeah he was part of the Grand Theft Auto Four team, and this this article is from GameRant.com. Uh, and he said, it's been nearly a decade since I parted from Rockstar, but I can assure you that during the GTA 4 era, it was like working with a gun to your head seven days a week. And another thing he said was, uh, in his experience, someone said to him, or that it was implied, be here Saturday and Sunday too, just in case Sam or Dan, the two leads of Rockstar, uh, come in. They want to see everyone working as hard as them. So that in response to what they, they're clarifying their quotes, being like, oh, no, we're just talking about us and the lead writers. You know, no, we're the ones that are working that hard, but the trickle-down effect going on to their staff is kind of clear, and I find it interesting that they're trying to, you know, that there's been a, a long history of this being a consistent thing at Rockstar, and they're just trying to imply that they're the only ones doing it when it's like they're putting it onto all their staff, and they've it's, you know, staff have come out saying this has been happening for years, you know. Zanfir, I'm curious, you work in a, a game development studio, you have a, a team there, and I'm sure you would have had points where you'd need to, you know, push towards a deadline and you'd had a, a hard limit in which you needed to get something ready. What does that sort of feel like and, and, and how do you kind of deal with that sort of situation? Oh, well, um, firstly, it does not feel good. It does mm. not feel good. Um, so we did our biggest ever crunch um, and I should say we always try to avoid it, always try to avoid it whenever possible. But before going to Gamescom in Germany, 
which is like the biggest scam event in all of Europe. Um, we needed to get the build ready. We needed to have um, squash out all the bugs and have it all working and get as much stuff as we could in there um, because it was extremely important um, for a lot of reasons. Going, you know, going to Gamescom and overseas and so on, you want to have a working build. Um, and we had to crunch. We had to crunch. There was just stuff that was not ready. It just wasn't playable. Um, and let's see. I, I did, like, I, I I try not to get the team. I try not to get the, the other team uh, members to crunch. Um, if if Because we, we're, we're a very small team, so we're, it's mm. like three people. It's me, and then I have um, um, uh, my artist. She's actually my sister. And then I have another programmer. And um, with with them, because they don't do full-time work yet, mm-hmm. um, mainly because you know we can't afford to bring them on full-time. But w- with them, what I did was I just offered to give them full-time work for that time, for that time period, that crunch period. Uh, but, but I was crunching pretty hard myself. Mm. I was crunching really hard. And uh, I think I was going on for about two weeks, one to two weeks, the crunch. And, How many hours were you putting in a day, do you think? Uh, I would say I got I got close to 100 hours a week, I'd say. I probably yeah. did about 90 hours. Mm. Um, and I got an insane amount of work done, probably a month's, even two months' worth of work done. So, you know, you can kind of see why people, uh, especially bigger companies, they can see this and um, they can go ahead and um, implement this I guess on a regular basis because so much gets done. Productivity just goes wild, but but it's not pleasant. It mm. is not pleasant at all. It's incredibly stressful. It's literally like um, it's it's a hard it's a hard feeling to describe. You do get a lot of work done, but it's unbelievably difficult. What, so, what's some of the costs I guess associated with it that you've experienced? You mean well? I think it's physical toll or mental toll or. Well, there's there's both. There's both. So physical toll, you're you're always tired. You're always tired. You're always lacking sleep. Um, I remember this this one time. Uh, I it was I think I had a Tuesday deadline, and I had to get a build up to uh, publishers. I think this was actually a previous crunch before Gamescom, and. Um, and I was meant to get the build up at like by by midnight, right? And and there was a massive bug in the game, and it wasn't working, and Apple wasn't uploading it, and I was up until eight a.m. trying to get it working. So I literally had no sleep at all, and and then I had three hours sleep, and then woke up and just kept going. So it takes a it takes a, a large physical toll on you. It's a big physical toll. Um, I would I would say probably. It's just it's just draining. It's just extremely draining, and you, there's no way you can do it for more than I would say two weeks. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. There was actually an instance back in 2010 when um, there was an open letter that was written by the spouses of some of the game developers at Rockstar, claiming that the employees were being turned into machines. They quoted turned into machines as they are solely robbed by their humanity because of such the harsh working conditions and all the hours that they're having to put in. And there was a um, a 
Dylan Wilderman, who was a, a GTA 5 developer, a former Rockstar employee, said the, the survivor of the GTA 5 crunch, it was hell, involved 12 to 14 hour work days, six days a week, and it estimated that it lasted for a year, going past release to account for post-launch support and DLC. So it, it obviously sounds like a, it's a full-on uh, situation and um, something that is probably something to be avoided. Moody Zander on, on Twitch has just said that uh, I'm always of the opinion that anything sort of resembling a crunch time on any occupation should be the special case and not the norm. Uh, and then uh, SQDJ says, yeah, I think that's how it existed in the first place and then it was sort of abused. So Yeah, there's yes, a quote. I agree. There's a quote from uh, Dr. Jennifer Hazel, who's actually the founder of the health mental health organization Checkpoint, and she said crunch works for about two weeks, and then after that you reduce your productivity, you reduce your financial benefit, and you burn out your employees. So everyone knows that the the crunch is linked to burnout, but people are exploiting it. All these companies are exploiting and forcing uh, the game developers to go longer than they really should. Can you? Well, would you like to see some sort of rules like uh, rolled out that would, you know, avoid this sort of thing entirely, Zamfir? If you were working in a big situation like that, would you work in a in a studio like that, or have you worked in a studio situation where where you maybe don't have the same say over your own hours as you do currently? Um, no, I have not been in that situation, um, but that's obviously that's obviously if it's if it's an ongoing basis. Like I think I think you said that did, did it for a year or something. Um, if it's like if it's like normal, if it's like their standard, that's that's obviously totally wrong. Uh, they'll burn out. They'll just they'll just lose all inspiration. They won't they won't want to do it anymore. And I think the product will be impacted by that. Um, but but rules, um, as far as I know, in Australia at least, there are rules. To how much you can work, I think you're not allowed to. Mm. You're not allowed to make someone work more than forty, or forty-five hours a week or something. There are already rules. I'm not sure about other countries and how they get around that. I guess that's up to the lawmakers in the countries to stamp their foot down and say no, you can't can't employ someone. Blah blah blah. Um, but yes, yes, it really shouldn't be happening on a, on an ongoing basis. I would say. I would say. The only time it should ever be allowed is when you know there's an extremely important deadline, it's like make it or break it, and only the people with actual stake in the in the game, and by stake I mean like actual equity, I guess, in the company or found, founders, founders or or owners of it. Only they should be should be really doing it. So normal employees who have really nothing to gain from the product success or failure, I think they should they should be kept out. We've got a, a comment from Super Africa on Twitch who says, no union, there's no game developers union. Um, and uh, OJ Machine says, do devs get a warning when these crunch shifts occurring or are they kind of sprung on them? Because if you're not prepared for a long shift, then it's much more painful. So, yeah, look, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to follow up with. Um, there's already been some calls from some outlets not to uh, uh, cover this game or to mention in this game that there is this cost that was associated with uh, the people doing this thing. I guess the full story is hard to determine because uh, Dan Hauser, who who gave this interview to Vulture, uh, famously does not generally talk to the press. So um, we there isn't much transparency there, and it seems like maybe this is a, a factor that you know he's that old school type of game developer where you know back in the mid nineties or the early two thousands, this sort of thing was held as a badge of honor, um, and uh, it, and now is is not seen as much. 
in the same I've way. I've seen a lot of game uh, artists from like 3D concept art in general talking about this on Twitter because I follow a lot of them. And the general opinion has been, and they're from a range of different generations and ages, and a lot of them have been talking about like within their, their own companies or within the attitudes that they see online. A lot of them have advocated for the whole, if you're an older game artist or developer and you think that this is okay, you need to shut up you know, because this is awful and it's killing younger devs. And I've seen a lot of people also try and talk about we need to push for unionization. And this is a lot of American artists or artists working in America. And, you know, obviously Australia's a different situation, but I've seen so many people go, we need to make a union because of this. And I do wonder, is this going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back? Is this going to push for a big wave of unionization of game developers and game artists across America? It'll be interesting to find out what happens in the wake of this. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think uh, we will only have to wait and see, basically. GDC was where the first sort of Game Workers Unite stuff started to uh, appear uh, this year, earlier this year, and the, the tickets for the most recent GDC have just opened up for next year's one. So potentially we might see a bit more of that. Um, maybe we might even see some at Melbourne International Games Week next week as the, as the talk towards uh, unionisation for, for game workers. Let's uh, jump into our next topic now, shall we? Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. Now, if you're just joining us, uh, Zamfir Dimitri is our guest this evening. He is from the Melbourne-based studio Monstercope, uh, Monsterscope, sorry, uh, and he's joining us tonight to talk about his action RPG, Dawnblade. Now, what is the game? Can you tell us? Can you paint a picture of what this game is if people haven't seen it before? Well, sure. So I'll give you a quick, uh, quick rundown first. Mm-hmm. So. Dawnblade is a free-to-play action RPG. Um, you can uh, grab your sword and run around through dungeons, slaying monsters and collecting loot and gold. And um, uh, as you as you progress through the game, you can uh, level up your skills and acquire new magical skills. And um, you can acquire pets, uh, bring them into battle, and they fight with you. And um, um, there's a lot of stuff. You can upgrade your your weapons, your inventory. Um, you know, there's just uh, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, a lot of action, a lot of adrenaline, um, and um, it's 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 just something we're very proud of. Uh, something we're very proud of so far. We've been developing it for a good three and a half years so far, and it's getting close to release. Now, it's getting close. You've uh, been working on it for a while, but people might not be one hundred percent familiar with the term action RPG. What? What? How is that sort of game work? And and what are some examples that people might be able to kind of frame it in their mind if they're listening at home? Okay, so there are there are a couple of um, familiar references, I guess. So you can look at uh, Diablo. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, especially Diablo three. You can look at Torchlight. Um, you can look at Path of Exile. So it's not it's not a game on on that massive scale, but it's it's similar art style. Um, the combat is a little a little more advanced, I would say. We've worked more on the combat. Um, so the art style similar, combat's a little more advanced. Uh, the 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 art the, the camera view and so on, it's all quite similar. The item system and uh, a lot of the looting and the gearing system. So you'll you'll see a lot of fam- uh, familiar similarities between um, our game and those games. But we, we've you know we've put our own twist on it, um, and uh, and we get a lot of players actually at events that um, are Diablo players, and they come at us and they say. Uh, no, no, no! It doesn't work on mobile. Never played a good one on mobile. It's, it's just terrible. And then after they finish, they're left um, quite quite surprised at what we've, what we've been able to achieve. Um, 
And the funny thing is, it's actually not that hard to achieve. Mobiles are strong enough. You know, the new the new iPads, the new mobiles, they're they're way strong enough to do all of this. So, um, so so by action RPG and by, um, I guess getting a, a preview of the game, that's kind of what you're looking at. That's mm. um, something paint, painting a bit of a picture for us. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so. So ideally, if, if you've played any of these games, you'll come over to our game and you'll have a bit of fun. Um, We've got a couple of comments coming in from the Twitch chat. Super Africa is extremely excited about the idea of pets being in your game. Is that a mechanic that you guys wanted to do better than other games? Because I've played a few games of the same genre and often pets just kind of feel like they're there as cosmetics. Like, did you, what, what kind of made you guys decide you wanted to, to include pets as a significant part of the game and like how, how much do they affect the gameplay overall? Right. So we decided to do pets, I think it was two years in or one and a half years in. Originally, we didn't want to because we thought we didn't have the resources and so on. Um, but then we, we, it just made total sense. It would have made the whole game better and so on. But when we did do pets, we wanted to do them properly and try to do them better than any other mobile game. Um, and we did do we did do a full on a full on I guess pet feature. So your pet, you can basically um, purchase your pet or hatch your pet. Um, you can upgrade it. Um, you can unlock skills for it. Um, and it comes, it comes into battle with you. It runs around and it, it attacks monsters for you. It kills them. It can heal you. It can do a lot of stuff. So it, it's, it's a full-on pet. It's a full-on pet. Um, Without the vet bills. Spent- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, put that yeah. in your marketing. Full-on pet. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, we, we still, um, we still got some feedback from, uh, from uh, a lot of players that. The pets uh, still appear a little bit, I guess, ineffective, uh, which means they kind of go off on their own and just go and kill monsters on their own. And this is a really interesting thing because they do go and they do kill monsters. It's just that you can't see it as a player because it mm. kind of goes off screen. So we're going to do a little bit more. Uh, we're going to do a little bit more there. We'll work on the um, AI a little bit more. Um, but actually, I think a few little tweaks, and uh, we've got it working really nicely. So you mentioned before about how the game's being released on released on mobile platforms first. Why did you decide to release it on mobile devices rather than console or PC? Um, we decided mobile because, well, firstly, my background was more mobile. And second of all, um, you don't get a lot of, a lot of mobile uh, games with, with like proper gameplay, console quality or PC kind of level gameplay. and I always knew it was possible to do. Not many people were doing it. They kind of focused more on, on meta features and clicking and stuff like that. So I wanted to focus a lot on gameplay. So my whole position was that if we can do a game with really, really good gameplay on mobile, people will see that, people will like it, it'll get exposure, um, and it'll do well. So that was, that was what I was thinking um, back early on, three and a half years ago now. And it's looking really good. It's looking like it's working out. Um, so that was, that was kind of my thinking. Now, if you're just joining us, uh, you're watching Pixel Sift. Thanks for tuning in. We're your indie game video interview podcast show uh, live mm-hmm. on Twitch. Uh, we're joined by Zamir 
uh, Zamfia, sorry, uh, Dimitri, uh, and we're talking about his game Dawnblade, which is an action RPG, sort of in the style of a Diablo or a type. But the interesting twist is that it's a mobile first game. Um, what does it mean to kind of make this game to you, and how how does it feel to be kind of at this point where you you might be close to release? Well, it it feels like we're about to finish the longest marathon we've ever run. So it's it's starting to feel pretty good. It's starting to feel good. We're you know, we're on that last stretch. We're on that last twenty percent stretch right now. Um, but um, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. I would say the hardest thing I've ever done. And I, I probably wouldn't do another one as big, such a small team again, because I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. But um, you know, it's I, I was young when I started. I was I think nineteen. I can remember or twenty. I was about twenty. Yeah. So I had I had free time on my hands and so on. Just but the timing was right. Um, but it does feel good to 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 be getting close to be getting close to finishing it. Feels very good. Um, is I've it, actually is it multiplayer yeah, actually, support in this game as well, or is it a single player game? Oh, well, that's actually really interesting. So we were always planned to do a bunch of online features and multiplayer, um, but we haven't done them yet. And actually, right now, this month in uh, October, we are starting, and uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to do PvP. We want to do at least PvP, so you can fight another player from anywhere in the world. Um, and we're thinking real time PvP, which just on, on mobile it's uh, a little tough to do, but I feel like the technology's. And we're also thinking of doing uh, kind of co uh, co op co raids, so you can raid dungeons together with your team or your squad. Um, so we're actually starting on that this month. Actually, I have already started on it behind the scenes. And uh, and is that something that's going to be in there at launch or something that's going to come in after the fact? It'll it'll be there at launch. It'll mm. be there at launch. We have to actually have that. And in, in these games, they all have um, an element of online features in them. Yeah. And we need to have that as well, or else it just won't be able to compete. You mentioned that you've, you're almost at the end of this long marathon and uh, you know, you're just about to to get it out there and people are going to be able to play it. Um, you've taken it to some of the big conventions around the the world. Um, you've taken it to, yes. to, to Gamescom, was it, and, um, and to Tokyo as well. Uh, what is it like sort of showing it off to those those huge conventions? Well, well, let's start with Gamescom. So Gamescom is uh, based in Germany. Um, it is Europe, Europe's largest game convention. Uh, it had... 350,000 people in 2017 and actually half a million people this year, the one we went to. Um, we went there mainly to look for publishers for our game. So we weren't too focused on exhibiting, but we did exhibit um, uh, at, a, at one of the pre-Gamescom, I guess, uh, events where it was um, industry only. And that was still packed. So it was pretty crazy. So, so we exhibited there for two days. Um, and we met about, I'd say, 15 to 25 publishers within those two days who just came up to us. So that's a lot. Mm. Uh, and some of them are looking really good right now, actually, we're talking now. And then um, after that, we had the Gamescom event. And let me tell you, oof, if you're exhibiting your game to the consumers on the consumer floor, oh, my goodness, you're, you'd be lucky to make it out alive. It's insane how many people. How many Did it compare to the, the crunch uh, feeling of, of getting everything ready for it? Oh, honestly, 
Well, I, I didn't do it, but I had friends who did it. I, I was just in the business area, luckily, and that yeah. was still packed. But I had friends who were doing it. And I honestly, I think it was, I think from hearing what they're saying, I think it's, it's anything they've ever done. <laughs> I'm hearing it's really, really, really hard. Um, so, well, well I was actually, uh, I'll talk more about um, going to Japan because we did show it there. But I'll talk about that soon. Mm. But, um, but it's it's on a whole new it's just on a whole new level and it is incredibly difficult. You want you want like four or five people with you. So it's tough. It is really, really it's one of the hardest things I'd say in one of the hardest parts of game development. So yeah, it's it's brutal. It's so brutal. You're gonna be showing off the game at uh, PAX Australia. We've got a question from um, OJ Machine on uh, Twitch. Oh. And um, they've asked, uh, what do you want the the punters, uh, and I quote, to feel or experience when they're trying your game at PAX this year? The main thing we usually want people to feel is kind of like a action adrenaline kind of feeling. It's, 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 we want to, we want to, we want to, it's an interesting thing trying to um, develop something that you can feel. So it's, it's adrenaline mixed with reflexes, mixed with, mixed with just raw action. Um, and we, we worked very hard to achieve that. And I, I feel like most of our players do do get that. Whenever we do get complaints about our game, it's never about the feeling. The feeling is always good. So we're happy about that. It's always about the other stuff, like, oh, this uh, this um, this mechanic is uh, just a little bit, that doesn't quite work properly, or, um, or, you know, can we improve the pets a little bit or something like that. So we're happy with the feeling. The feelings, like we've done that bit. So it, it's mostly just adrenaline, I'd say, in the end. It's mostly adrenaline. <laughs> uh, look, if people want to check out a bit more stuff ahead of the show, where, where's the best place for them to find out a bit more information about the game? Um, well, you can jump on our website. Uh, you can jump on our social media. I would say come to our Discord. It's the best place to be. You can talk to me directly or the developers or some of the other players of the game. Um, ask any questions you want. We can send you an early build. Um, so mainly I would say for uh, to get a quick view of the game, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. or even our website, to talk to us, um, the best place is Discord. And uh, so that you can go to the website as well, which is monsterscopestudios.com. Uh, there's a link to Discord on there. Uh, it's monsterscopestudios on, on Facebook and on Twitter. Well, look, it all sounds um, its very exciting. We're very keen to come and give it a go um, at PAX uh, in, a, in a weekend or two, the last weekend in October. Um, thanks uh, for joining us this evening, um, Zanfir. We really appreciate you spending the, the time with us and telling us a little bit about Dawnblade, your uh, mobile action RPG. No worries. Happy, happy to do it. Now, thank you all for, for tuning in and joining us for another episode of Pixel Sift uh, and spending some time and, and learning a little bit about this game. Uh, this episode was hosted by myself. Uh, it was hosted by Sarah in Melbourne and Fiona as well. So thank you to my co-hosts. Uh, it was produced by Mitch Lowe and Scott Quigg and uh, the executive producer is me, Gianni DiGiovanni. Uh, thank you very much to Murdoch University School of Arts for supporting Pixel Sift through all of our 107 episodes. If you'd like to learn more about a creative degree, a great creative degree, you can go to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. Now, Sarah, if people want to find out us on social media, like maybe they want to follow our PAX or SIFT uh, stuff that's happening at, at uh, PAX Australia, where, where should they go to? 
Well, Johnny, we have many different websites and I'm very unprepared. So unfortunately, I don't have them on me right now. But we <laughs> Facebook.com? <laughs> they did not put, they're not in the scripts. Facebook.com. So totally not my fault. Facebook.com forward slash Pixel Sift. We are also on Twitter, which is at Pixel Sift. We are also on Instagram, which is, I believe, at Pixel Sift. Got it. Too. Now let's. Not two. Just, just on YouTube. Oh, Go for the thanks, four for four. YouTube.com forward slash Pixel Sift AU. Nailed it. And yes, your, uh, I didn't lose my job. Thank you. you. I'm so sorry. It's all right. You, you, you redeemed it at the end. No one noticed. It's all good. Uh, if, you're, <laughs> oh, now, if people yeah. want to listen back to us on other episodes or check out some of the articles that we've been putting up on, on where, where should they have a look at? So you can go to our website to stream episodes. Uh, you can subscribe as a podcast either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Pocket Casts or whatever podcast player that you listen to us on. We're on all of them. Next Thursday, we'll be live from Melbourne at PAX with Giant Margarita and their game Party Crashes. Uh, we'll be designing the new Pixel Sif mode. And then our next podcast episode is on the 1st of November. And we'll actually be recording that live at PAX as well. That's on the, at the Audio Technica booth on Sunday at 10 o'clock. There's a big list. Go back to your podcast player because I did a big breakdown of everything that we're doing there. Um, so there's heaps and heaps for you to check out. Um, so come along uh, and just say hello because we'd like to say hello to you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will see you in Melbourne, hopefully. Thanks, Amphia. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome to be here. If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 